0: This CosmicReality.com presentation is sponsored by MysticalWares.com. Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by cosmicreality.com.
1: Hello and welcome to part two of the Wednesday edition of the Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the SuccessAlchemist.net, the Webalchemist.net, Empowered Manifestation.com. Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, The Success Alchemist. Twitter, at Coach Jan Shaw. Telegram, U- US-UK Patriot. And Truth Social, Success Alchemist. And I'm continuing part two on the 8th of June, 2022, as I was part way through the long article, amazingly, on the NIH website, entitled COVID Update what is the truth? And I got as far as reading the section on hot lots, deadly batches of the vaccines. So I got part way through that section. Let me continue. And incidentally, as I'm doing a part two, I'm also going to finish covering uh, the subject that I did put in the title of part one, which was related to the January 6th show trial, as that is coming up tomorrow. So Uh, I thought I might as well finish that article as well that I started on and magazine. So continuing with the COVID update article, all lots of vaccines are numbered. For example, Moderna labels them with such codes as 013M20A. It was noted that the batch numbers ended in either 20A20A or 21A. Batches ending in 20A were much more toxic than the ones ending in 21A. The batches ending in 20A had about 1,700 adverse events versus a few hundred to 20 or 30 events for the 21A batches. This example explains why some people had few or no adverse events after taking the vaccine while others are either killed or severely and permanently harmed. To see the researcher's explanation, go to bitshoot.com and there's a video link there. In my opinion, these examples strongly suggest an intentional alteration of the production of the vaccine to include deadly batches. I have met and worked with a number of people concerned with vaccine safety and I can tell you they are not the evil anti-vaxxers you are told they are. They are highly principled, moral, compassionate people, many of whom are top researchers and people who have studied the issue extensively. Robert Kennedy Jr., Barbara Lou Fisher, Dr. Merrill Nass, Pres- Professor Christopher Shaw, Megan Redshaw, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Joseph Macola, Neil Z. Miller, Dr. Luhi- Lucia Tomyinovich, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, Dr. Steve Kirsch and Dr. Peter McCullough, just to name a few. These people have nothing to gain and a lot to lose. They are attacked viciously by the media, government agencies and elite billionaires who think they should control the world and everyone in it. Why did Fauci want no autopsies of those who died after vaccination? There are many things about this pandemic that are unprecedented in medical history. One of the most startling is that at the height of the pandemic, so few autopsies, especially total autopsies, were being done. A mysterious virus was rapidly spreading around the world. A selected group of people with weakened immune systems were getting seriously ill and many were dying. And the one way we could rapidly gain the most knowledge about this virus, an autopsy, was being discouraged. Guerriero noted that by the end of April 2020 approximately 150,000 people had died yet there were only 16 autopsies performed and reported in the medical literature. Among these only seven were complete autopsies the remaining nine being partial or by needle biopsy or incisional biopsy. Only after 170,000 deaths by COVID-19 and four months into the pandemic were the first series of autopsies actually done, that is, more than 10. And only after 280,000 deaths and another month were the first large series of autopsies performed, some 80 in number. Spurhake, in a call for autopsies to be done without question, noted that the first full autopsy reported in the literature, along with photomicrographs, appeared in a medico-legal journal from China in February 2020. Spurhake expressed confusion as to why there was a reluctance to perform autopsies during the crisis, but he knew it was not coming from the pathologists. The medical literature was littered with appeals by pathologists for more autopsies to be performed. Spurhake further noted that the Robert Koch Institute, the German health monitoring system, at least initially advised against doing autopsies. He also knew that at the time, 200 participating autopsy institutions in the United States had done at least 225 autopsies among 14 states. Some have claimed that this dearth of autopsies was based on the government's fear of infection among the pathologists. But a study of 225 autopsies on COVID-19 cases demonstrated only one case of infection among the pathologists and this was concluded to have been an infection contracted elsewhere. Guerriero ends his article calling for more autopsies with this observation. Shoulder to shoulder clinical and forensic pathologists overcame the obstructions of autopsy studies in COVID-19 victims and hereby generated valuable knowledge on the pathophysiology of the interaction between the SARS-CoV-2 and the human body, thus contributing to our understanding of the disease. Suspicion concerning the worldwide reluctance of nations to allow full post-mortem studies of COVID-19 victims may be based on the idea that it was more than by chance. There are at least two possibilities that stand out. First, those leading the progression of this non-pandemic event into a perceived worldwide deadly pandemic were hiding an important secret that autopsies could document, namely just how many of the deaths were actually caused by the virus. To implement draconian measures such as mandated mask wearing, lockdowns, destruction of businesses and eventually mandated forced vaccination, they needed very large numbers of COVID-19 infected dead. Fear would be the driving force for all these destructive pandemic control programmes. Elder et al. in his study classified the autopsy findings into four groups. One, certain COVID-19 death. Two, probably COVID-19 death. Three, possible COVID-19 death. Four, not associated with COVID-19 despite the positive test. What possibly concerned or even terrified the engineers of this pandemic was that autopsies just might, and did, show that a number of these so-called COVID-19 deaths, in truth, died of their comorbid diseases. In the vast majority of autopsy studies reported, pathologists noted multiple comorbid conditions, most of which, at the extremes of life, could alone be fatal. Previously, it was known that common cold viruses had an 8% mortality in nursing homes. In addition, valuable evidence could be obtained from the autopsies that would improve clinical tr- treatments and could possibly demonstrate the deadly effect of the CDC-mandated protocols all hospitals were required to follow, such as the use of respirators and the deadly kidney-destroying drug remdesivir. The autopsies also demonstrated accumulating medical errors and poor quality care, as the shielding of doctors in intensive care units from the eyes of family members inevitably leads to poorer quality care, as reported by several nurses working in these areas. As bad as all this was, the very same thing is being done in the case of COVID vaccine deaths. Very few complete autopsies have been done to understand why these people died, that is, until recently. Two highly qualified researchers, Dr. Sukharit Bhakti, a microbiologist and highly qualified expert in infectious disease, and Dr. Arn Burkhart, a pathologist who is a widely published authority, having been a professor of pathology at several pre- prestigious institutions, recently performed autopsies on 15 people having died after vaccination. What they found explains why so many are dying and experiencing organ damage and deadly blood clots. They determined that 14 of the 15 people died as a result of the vaccines and not of other causes. Dr. the the pathologist, observed widespread evidence of an immune attack on the autopsied individual's organs and tissues, especially their heart. This evidence included extensive invasion of small blood vessels with massive numbers of lymphocytes which cause extensive cell destruction when unleashed. Other organs, such as the lungs and liver, were observed to have extensive damage as well. These findings indicate the vaccines were causing the body to attack itself with deadly consequences. One can easily see why Anthony Fauci, as well as public health officers, and all who are heavily promoting these vaccines, publicly discouraged autopsies on the vaccinated who subsequently died. One can also see that in the case of vaccines that were essentially untested prior to being approved for the general public, at least the regulatory agencies should have been required to carefully monitor and analyse all serious complications and certainly deaths linked to these vaccines. The best way to do that is with complete autopsies. While we learned important information from these autopsies, What is really needed are special studies of the tissues of those who have died after vaccination for the presence of spike protein infiltration throughout the organs and tissues. This would be critical information as such infiltration would result in severe damage to all tissues and organs involved, especially the heart, the brain and the immune system. Animal studies have demonstrated this. In these vaccinated individuals, the source of these spike proteins will be the injected nanolipid carriers of the spike protein producing mRNA. It is obvious that the government health authorities and pharmaceutical manufacturers of these vaccines do not want these critical studies done as the public would be outraged and demand an end to the vaccination programme and prosecution of the involved individuals who covered this up. Conclusions. We are all living through one of the most drastic changes in our culture, economic system, as well as political system in our nation's history, as well as the rest of the world. We have been told that we will never return to normal and that a great reset has been designed to create a new world order. This has all been outlined by Klaus Schwab, head of of the World Economic Forum, in his book On the Great Reset. This book gives a great deal of insight as to the thinking of the utopians who are proud to claim this pandemic crisis as their way to usher in a new world. This new world order has been on the drawing boards of the elite manipulators for over a century. In this paper, I have concentrated on the devastating effects this has had on the medical care system in the United States, but also includes much of the Western world. In past papers, I have discussed the slow erosion of traditional medical care in the United States and how this system has become increasingly bureaucratized and regimented. This process was rapidly accelerating, but the appearance of this, in my opinion, manufactured pandemic has transformed our health care system overnight. As you have seen, an unprecedented series of events have taken place within this system, Hospital administrators, for example, assumed the position of medical dictators, ordering doctors to follow protocols derived not from those having extensive experience in treating this virus, but rather from a medical bureaucracy that has never treated a single COVID 19 patient. The mandated use of respirators on ICU COVID 19 patients, for example, was imposed in all medical systems and dissenting physicians were rapidly removed from their positions as caregivers, despite their demonstration of markedly improved treatment methods. Further, doctors were told to use the drug remdesivir despite its proven toxicity, lack of effectiveness and high complication rate. They were told to use drugs that impaired respiration and mask every patient, despite the patient's impaired breathing. In each case, those who refused to abuse their patients were removed from the hospital and even faced a loss of license, or worse. For the first time in modern medical history, early medical treatment of those infected patients was ignored nationwide. Studies have shown that early medical treatment was saving 80% of higher number of these infected people when initiated by independent doctors early treatment could have saved over 640,000 lives over the course of this pandemic. Despite the demonstration of the power of these early treatments, the forces controlling medical care continued this destructive policy. Families were not allowed to see their loved ones, forcing those very sick individuals in the hospitals to face their deaths alone. To add insult to injury, funerals were limited to a few grieving family members who were not allowed to even sit together all the while large stores such as walmart and costco were allowed to operate with minimal restrictions nursing home patients were also not allowed to have family visitations again being forced to die a lonely death all the while in a number of states the most transparent being in new york state infected elderly were purposefully transferred from hospitals into nursing homes resulting in a very high death rates of these nursing home residents. At the beginning of this pandemic, over 50% of all deaths were occurring in nursing homes. Throughout this pandemic, we have been fed an unending series of lies, distortions and disinformation by the media, public health officials, medical bureaucracies, CDC, FDA and WHO, and medical associations. Physicians, scientists and experts in infectious treatments who formed associations designed to develop more effective and safer treatments were regularly demonised, harassed, shamed, humiliated and experienced a loss of licensure, loss of hospital privileges and in at least one case ordered to have a psychiatric examination. Anthony Fauci was given essentially absolute control of all forms of medical care during this event, including insisting that drugs he profited from be used by all treating physicians. He ordered the use of masks, despite at first laughing at the use of masks, to filter a virus. Governors, mayors and many businesses followed his orders without question. The draconian measures being used, masking, lockdowns, testing of the uninfected, use of the inaccurate PCR test, social distancing and contact tracing had been shown previously to be of little or no use during previous pandemics, yet all attempts to reject these methods were to no avail. Some states ignored these draconian orders and had either the same or fewer cases, as well as deaths, as the states with the most strictly enforced measures. Again, no amount of evidence or obvious demonstration along these lines had any effect on ending these socially destructive measures, even when entire countries, such as Sweden, which avoided all these measures, demonstrated equal rates of infections and hospitalisation as nations with the very strictest, very draconian measures No policy change by the controlling institutions occurred. No amount of evidence changed anything. Experts in the psychology of destructive events such as economic collapses, major disasters and previous pandemics demonstrated that draconian measures come with an enormous cost in the form of deaths of despair and in a dramatic increase in serious psychological disorders. The effects of these pandemic measures on children's neurodevelopment is catastrophic and to a large extent irreversible. Over time, tens of thousands could die as a result of this damage. Even when these predictions began to appear, the controllers of this pandemic continued full steam ahead. Drastic increases in suicides. A rise in obesity, a rise in drug and alcohol use, a worsening of many health measures and a terrifying rise in psychiatric disorders, especially depression and anxiety, were ignored by the officials controlling this event. We eventually learn that many of the deaths were a result of medical neglect. Individuals with chronic medical conditions, diabetes, Cancer, cardiovascular disease and neurological diseases were no longer being followed properly in their clinics and doctors' offices. Non-emergency surgeries were put on hold. Many of these patients chose to die at home rather than risk going to the hospitals, and many considered hospitals' death houses. Records of deaths have shown that there was a rise in deaths among those aged 75 and older, mostly explained by COVID-19 infections. But for those between the ages of 65 to 74, deaths had been increasing well before the pandemic onset. Between ages of 18 and age 65 years, records demonstrate a shocking hike in non-COVID-19 deaths. Some of these deaths were explained by a dramatic increase in drug-related deaths, some 20,000 more than 2019. Alcohol-related deaths also increased substantially and homicides increased almost 30% in the 18 to 65-year group. The head of the insurance company, One America, stated that their data indicated that the death rate for individuals aged 18 to 64 had increased 40% over the pre-pandemic period. Scott Davidson, the company's CEO, stated that this represented the highest death rate in the history of insurance records, which does extensive data collections on death rates each year. Davidson also noted that this high of a death rate increase has never been seen in the history of death data collection. Previous catastrophes of monumental extent increased death rates no more than 10%. 40% is unprecedented. Dr. Lindsay Weaver Indiana's chief medical officer, stated that hospitalizations in Indiana are higher than at any point in the past five years. This is of critical importance since the vaccines were supposed to significantly reduce deaths, but the opposite has happened. Hospitals are being flooded with vaccine complications and people in critical condition from medical neglect caused by the lockdowns and other pandemic measures. A dramatic number of these people are now dying, with the spike occurring after the vaccines were introduced. The lies flowing from those who have appointed themselves as medical dictators are endless. First, we were told that the lockdown would last only two weeks. They lasted over a year. Then we were told that masks were ineffective and did not need to be worn. Quickly, that was reversed. Then we were told the cloth mask was very effective. Now it's not and everyone should be wearing an N95 mask, and before that, that they should double mask. We were told there was a severe shortage of respirators. Then we discovered they are sitting unused in warehouses and in city dumps, still in their packing crates. We were informed that the hospitals were filled mostly with the unvaccinated, and later found the exact opposite was true the world over. We were told that the vaccine was 95% effective, only to learn that in fact the vaccines cause a progressive erosion of innate immunity. Upon release of the vaccines, women were told the vaccines were safe during all stages of pregnancy, only to find out no studies had been done on safety during pregnancy during the safety tests prior to release of the vaccine. We were told that careful testing on volunteers before the EUA approval for public use demonstrated extreme safety of the vaccines only to learn that these unfortunate subjects were not followed, medical complications caused by the vaccines were not paid for and the media covered this all up. We also learned that the pharmaceutical makers of the vaccines were told by the FDA that further animal testing was unnecessary. The general public would be the guinea pigs. Incredibly, we were told that the Pfizer's new mRNA vaccines had been approved by the FDA, which was a clever deception in that another vaccine had approval, Comirnaty, and not the one being used, the BioNTech vaccine. The approved Comirnaty vaccine was not available in the United States. The national media told the public that the Pfizer vaccine had been approved and was no longer classed as experimental, a blatant lie. These deadly lies continue. It is time to stop this insanity and bring these people to justice. Now, as I said at the beginning of this article in part one, I'm absolutely amazed that this is actually published on the NIH website, but sure it is. And it does give the credentials of Russell L. Blaylock as a retired neurosurgeon uh, theoretical neuroscience research LLC and um, it was originally published on surgical neurology international Um, so obviously this this was submitted for publication on this website uh, February 6 2022 and accepted on the 11th of February. So it's earlier than some of the later uh, information that has come out about the vaccines, but um, really an excellent report on how nefarious this whole pandemic has been and real confirmation that this indeed represents horrendous crimes, crimes against humanity and the known forcing of deadly vaccines on the public. So let's hope we do get the Nuremberg 2.0. Um, Rainer Fulmick is still um, working on the grand jury for a way to address this situation using common law. So we'll have to see how that um, plays out. Now, I'm going to cover a couple of things I didn't get time to cover in the first part of the show. I did mention one of them then. It was Anne Magazine's report on the the January 6th committee show trials. I'll do that in a second. But first, I just want to cover um, a report by We Love Trump. And this is related to um, Peter Navarro. FBI arrest Trump adviser, Dr. Peter Navarro one day after vowing to help Republicans impeach Joe Biden. This was actually five days ago, so it is a little bit old in terms of the news, but I just thought it was worth covering because of this whole January 6th committee uh, witch hunt, this kangaroo court. It seems that the left continues their heavy-handed tactics to silence all voices of opposition. According to reports, the latest instalment is the arrest of Trump advisor Dr. Peter Navarro. The reason? For refusing to testify in front of a politically biased, unlawful, ridiculous congressional committee regarding the events of January 6th. Here's a clip of what CNN is reporting about what took place. A federal grand jury has in, indicted former Trump White House adviser Peter Navarro for contempt of Congress after he refused to cooperate in the House January 6th committee's investigation. You've got to hand it to Navarro. He's throwing haymakers and showing he's not afraid. He's been very vocal since his arrest, calling out authorities for abusing their power and trampling on his legal rights. During a court appearance in Washington, D.C. on Friday, Navarro said that he still wants to represent himself without a lawyer and accused prosecutors of using hardball tactics by arresting him at an airport and not allowing him to make a phone call. The timing of all this happening is very important. First is that Democrats are trying to criminally convict Navarro before he has a chance to own them in civil court. It turns out that the reason why Navarro was unable to testify was because President Trump had extended executive privilege which was fully in his rights to do so. Despite this, Dr. Navarro has been harassed and threatened to the extreme. Navarro had claimed that he was unable to cooperate because former President Donald Trump had asserted executive privilege in the matter The committee had countered these arguments by citing that many of the topics it wanted to discuss with him he had already written about in great detail in his book. Democrats started pressuring the Justice Department to put the screws to Navarro before he had a chance to cause them any more embarrassment. The arraignment should be postponed for a number of reasons, Navarro added, requesting that his civil lawsuit against the House January 6th Committee go forward before any criminal proceedings. The second reason for the timing of this arrest is the fact that people are coming out of the woodwork with the firepower to make the impeachment of Joe Biden a real thing. Dr. Navarro declared as much in an interview on MSNBC. Maybe not the best move, but oh well. In the MSNBC interview with Ari Melber, Navarro said he would lead the charge to pursue charges against Biden and leading Democrats if Republicans win the White House in 2024. You bet your ass that I will lead the charge, Navarro said. I will take Adam Schiff and Jamie Raskin and Nancy Pelosi and Rosa DeLauro, all of those clowns and kangaroos. I'll take Biden and every single senior staff member in there and do what, Melba interjected. Hit them with subpoenas, Navarro declared. We'll start with the impeachment of Biden for Ukraine, the southern border, all manner of things he is guilty of, and we'll subpoena his senior staff. Just days after he made these statements, the FBI showed up to arrest him. The left seems to be strategically targeting these political threats through bogus charges and red tape to get them either discredited or thrown into prison. While Navarro has been released until his trial, the political attacks against him continue to intensify. Another target of the left is Steve Bannon, who has recently gotten the support of the Republican Party to mobilise his precinct strategy, which could make stealing another election very hard for Democrats moving forward. And there's a tweet from Josh Shapiro Let's speak truth. The big lie is still with us and it's being peddled by extremists like Steve Bannon and Doug Mastriano. We can't allow the far-right systematic attacks on our elections get any further. It's too dangerous. And it's got a link to a Vanity Fair article. Steve Bannon's election takeover dream is starting to take shape. Recordings obtained by Politico suggest the GOP is embracing the precinct strategy promoted by the former Trump adviser, Despite President Trump's pardon, which was meant to protect him from harassment and attacks such as this, Steve Bannon has been the victim of multiple fabricated charges from the New York Prosecutor's Office. Over the last couple of days, the mainstream media has painted him as a monster. Have a look at this hit piece CNN put out about Bannon. Warren Swill tweeted, Steve Bannon, better lawyer up, New York grand jury looking at his border wall fundraising scam. Hashtag TFG already pardoned him on federal fraud charges, but he could still face state charges and prison time. Hashtag lock him up. And TFG is the former guy, by the way, referring to Trump. For those keeping score, that's two people who pose a legitimate threat to the left stranglehold on power, getting attacked to the point where they are facing major prison time. It's very clear what what is happening is unjust. Josh Hammer tweets, Peter Navarro in handcuffs and Michael Sussman off scot-free. Tell me more about that neutral rule of law. And Benny Johnson tweeted, What just happened to Peter Navarro was criminal. Can you tell some people are getting nervous about November? At the end of the day, it's not just about one man getting arrested. It's the fact that Navarro represents every single American that voted for Trump. Benny Johnson tweets again, Trump adviser Peter Navarro blasts FBI for unconstitutional arrest after he sent the J6 committee to pound sand. They're not coming for me and Trump. They're coming for you, all 74 million of you who voted for Donald Trump. So, as the article implies, obviously there is panic among the Democrats. I love the smell of panic in the morning. <laughs> it reminds me of victory. <laughs> okay, so on to And Magazine. And um, this was the article I referred to in the first part of the show. Now we have show trials right here at home, the January 6th committee to being, begin public hearings. This was posted yesterday. And again, it's on Substack. In the old Soviet Union, the Communist Party used to conduct show trials. Show trials are like real trials, except the result is preordained. And the point is not to find the truth, but to destroy your political opponent. Look under kangaroo court in the dictionary and you'll get some idea. Or you can just wait until June 9th and watch the public hearings of the January 6th committee. More than 500 days after January 6th, 2021, the committee investigating the alleged insurrection is ready to show its work. The House Select Committee will hold its first public hearing this week. We are promised that we will see stunning, never-before-seen evidence of just how close we came to having an armed coup carried out in the nation's capital. The committee will present previously unseen material documenting January 6th, receive witness testimony, preview additional hearings and provide the American people a summary of its findings about the coordinated multi-step effort to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election and prevent the transfer of power. Statement by the House Committee investigating January 6th. There are only a few minor problems. There was no insurrection. There was no attempted coup. There was no conspiracy. On January 6, 2021, hundreds of thousands of people gathered on the Mall in Washington, D.C. I was there. It was the biggest crowd I have ever seen in my life. That crowd was largely middle-aged. It was peaceful. Uh, by the way, this article is by Sam Faddis. There was no talk of insurrection. There was no talk of storming anything. When the crowd began to move in the direction of the Capitol, it moved slowly and peacefully and with the purpose of letting Congress hear the concerns of a great many Americans about the legitimacy of the recently completed presidential election. Given that we had just voted nationwide using mail-in voting procedures never before tried and largely devoid of any meaningful security procedures, those concerns were then and remain today entirely valid. At some point some portion of that crowd minuscule in comparison to its overall size entered the capital. A small portion of those individuals engaged in criminal conduct. Aside from Ashley Babbitt who was shot by a capital police officer no one was killed inside or outside the capital that day. Now that isn't strictly true actually because there was the poor woman and I don't recall her name who was killed by a capital police officer in the tunnel more or less bludgeoned to death she, she'd been crushed under the mass of people and um, the horrific violence of that attack by the capital police woman actually was absolutely horrific I've caught covered that in a previous show quite uh, a few months ago actually probably last year now continuing on No bombs were detonated. No one did anything that could remotely be classified as an attempt to overthrow the government of the United States. A few individuals were charged with carrying firearms in violation of the District of Columbia's strict firearms laws. No one used a firearm in the commission of an offence. The best data available shows that a grand total of 725 people were arrested for actions related to the entry into the U.S. Capitol building. As of this writing, perhaps a tenth of those arrested have actually been sentenced for anything. Most of those have been convicted of things like trespassing and demonstrating or parading in the Capitol building, which it turns out is a crime. The median prison sentence for those sent to jail has been 45 days. Many of those convicted have been given fines, community service or probation. Not a single person has been charged with insurrection or treason for actions committed on January 6th. My point here is not to excuse criminal conduct. If you forcibly entered the capital, assaulted a police officer or vandalised public property, I have no sympathy for you. You engaged in criminal conduct. You should pay the price. I have to interject here and say that those who forcibly entered the capital in my opinion, were the people who were actually trying to create um a violent incident, a violent event. We think they're Antifa or BLM. I remember a report, a report even saying that there were Ukrainians in the crowd. And the other thing that um is Suspected is the FBI were involved in this and that the whole thing was a set up by Pelosi and her crew um, to create these violent episodes to discredit Trump and Trump's supporters. But there's already videos of the Capitol Police beckoning people to come through the barriers that they actually removed. And also... They had to open the main doors from the inside because they have extremely strong magnetic locks that there is no way that you could open them from the outside. So the whole thing stinks to high heaven. Pity it's not this article isn't focusing on that. My point is that there was no attempt to overthrow the government. A relatively small number of individuals entered the capital where most of them spent their time taking selfies and walking the halls. And there's a tweet. I think it's a tweet anyway. Um, It's not very clear where it's from, actually. Um, But it's from K underscore USA 24. Bernard At Bernard Kirk at Real Donald Trump found on Facebook, Capitol Police walked right by them. They let them in. And it's got video of the um, people walking into the Capitol building. Perhaps more to the point, the Democratic lawmakers on the January 6th committee know that these are the same folks who encouraged BLM and Antifa to burn cities for months. These are the same people who weaponized the FBI to spread false stories about collusion between Donald Trump and Russia. They know exactly what real insurrection looks like. The real point of the January 6th committee is to spread disinformation not simply to discredit and politically destroy Donald Trump and his supporters, but to create a climate of fear in which dramatic changes can be made to our electoral system that will guarantee permanent democratic rule. The goal is the creation of a one-party state. The changes contemplated by the committee include eliminating the Electoral College, federalizing all elections, involving law enforcement and intelligence agencies more closely in monitoring the political opponents of the Biden regime, and branding those questioning electoral results as having engaged in sedition. A tweet from Mark Levin, purpose of January 6th committee, imprison Trump, destroy Electoral College and nationalise voting system. And there's a link to uh, an article by Axios.com. January 6th committee privately divided on abolishing Electoral College other key reforms. The committee's legacy will depend in large part on what it does with its findings. Just as Stalin used show trials to destroy his political opponents and solidify his control over the Soviet Union, the Democratic Party wishes to use the coming hearings to destroy the America First movement in America and solidify its hold on the country. That is the agenda. That is the truth. We have seen many things right here at home in recent years that we never believed possible. We can add another to that list. Now we have show trials right here in the USA. Now, in my opinion, I think this is just showing how panicked the Democrats are. I mean, look at their ratings. They're absolutely in the toilet. Uh, Biden's administration is a complete and utter disaster, although people say, oh, he's just totally incompetent and, you know, non-compos mentis. But we have to remember that this is part of the agenda of the deep state, of the globalists, to destroy America. So all of the uh, symptoms or the uh, outcomes we're seeing, which is the raging inflation, the gas prices, um, all the usual suspects, um, is absolutely deliberate and it's it's a strategy. But the point is, they have to some. They know they're gonna they're gonna lose in November if there is a an honest election. So they're doing their best to again enable cheating so that they can continue to illegally retain the house and the senate uh, i don't think they're going to achieve i don't think the white hats are going to allow that to happen again as i've said many times before i think allowing biden into the white house or at least um a mock up of the white house was deliberate to wake enough people up to realize what the impact of that kind of regime is going to have on the country and also on the Americans in the country, economically, um, you know, on all levels. And, of course, we had last year and into this year the mandating of the bioweapons of the vaccines and the horrendous casualties from adverse events including deaths and on the other hand we had people who refused to take that emergency approved vaccine if you can call it that um, who then lost their jobs because of the mandate so we've got we still seem to have people clinging to this ridiculous idea that Biden is doing a good job I don't even know if they're bots or if people really do have cognitive dissonance to the extent that they will cling to this idea that Biden's a wonderful unifying president, hardly. Um, I don't know. Maybe there are still people that, that have that delusion about him, or maybe they're not directly affected by the economy. Who knows? But even you even wonder why he's getting any percentage of approval rating given the disaster that has been wreaked since his inauguration in January last year. Anyway, we will see, I'm always uh, very optimistic about the future and about the White hats winning. and I'm going to keep that intention and that commitment. Uh, in my heart and in my head and it will not waver and the more that we all join together in that as a collective consciousness the more we are doing to help bring about that outcome so I'm going to leave it there for today I hope you've enjoyed this second part of the show I think it's very encouraging that that report on COVID should be on the NIH website I think that may well red pill quite a few people i've sent it over to a friend who's always been you know very much uh, clinging to the uh, the the party line narrative as it were of you know these vaccines no they couldn't possibly be harmful etc i've sent him the article from the nih website so we'll see whether that actually causes any shift in his consciousness So again, thanks for listening. I hope you'll join me again on Saturday for another Cosmic Creating show. Again, thank you to Nancy for producing and to Derek Condit of mysticalwares.com. And please visit his website. He's the sponsor of Cosmic Reality Radio. And without him, none of this would be possible. Just a teaser for Saturday. I'm currently writing quite a detailed report about the transgender tragedy. So I'm going to be covering that on Saturday. So until then, stay safe, be well, and bye for now.
0: You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating Current Reality, a production of CosmicReality.com.
1: Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for a huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest shungite collections available.
0: Cosmic Reality Radio is sponsored by Mystical Wares online store, where coupon code SAVE10 will get you 10% off your entire order at mysticalwares.com.